0: Am I done? Am I done? You know, I only work one day a week, and it's on Sunday, right? (laughs) That's what they say. A pastor only works one day a week. You guys realize that, don't you? Come on. Be a little light-hearted today. How's everybody doing? Oh, God, thank you for your presence. Thank you, God, for being here with us. I'm glad God has a sense of humor, aren't you? I'm glad He speaks to us in parables and pictures like that little rabbit, aren't you? And He speaks revelation. Well, today He's going to speak through His Word. We have been reading 1 Corinthians as a church, and I hope you are joining with us in the reading of 1 Corinthians. And if you're a guest with us and want to jump in with us, there is a reading plan back on that table right there as you leave the sanctuary. There's also a reading plan on the uh, Welcome Center as well. I've had to make copies several times, so I'm glad people are taking the reading plan and, and putting it in their daily daily uh, reading and devotion to the Lord. God speaks to us through the Word, doesn't He? Well, today I'm going to uh, continue on kind of a series that I'm on, and it's called The Power of Correction, Part 3. And uh, so we've been talking about how we're, we're to let 1 Corinthians and the scripture allow it to bring change to our life. And the word correction means the action or process of correcting someone. A change that rectifies an error or inaccuracy. Bringing or calling someone to a standard. And that's what the beauty of God's word is. Is the word of God is a standard bearer. Can I have an Amen. The Word of God is to be a mirror and a reflection of what we are to be and to become. And yes, we have examples of people within our lives that we follow and imitate. Paul hold Timothy, imitate me as I imitate Christ, follow me as I follow Christ. And so we have the Word of God, we have godly people around us, and we, we are about allowing God to correct us, Mature us and take us from glory to glory. Can I have an amen on that? And so over the last couple of weeks, uh, we weeks, I've talked about, you know, can we allow God? So the last line there is bringing or calling someone to a standard. And my question that I started kind of the last couple messages on is, are we correctable? Can we allow God to bring us to a standard, his standard that's in his word? Or do we have to do it our own way? I know when my children were young, I would pr- drill into him, do it your way or God's way? Which way is it gonna be? God's way is always best. We, w- we would constantly make those comments to our children. And so the question is, is are we correctable? Do we allow, are we teachable? Do we allow the Lord to, to use his word and to use people in our lives to kinda correct us when the standard of God, where he, what he wants, Do we allow correction to come to our life? And really, what it all boils down to it is, do we believe that God's way is always better than our own? Do we really believe that whatever he says is the right way of doing things? Do we believe that it will produce blessing? Do we believe his way is better than our own? And so we're on this journey to reflect out of 1 Corinthians, because when it all boils down to correction in our life is, is there a fear and honor of the Lord in our life? When it all boils down to it, when you shake it down, is is there a reverence and a fear and an honor towards God? Is he Lord? We worshiped him today. We sang to him. We lifted him up and we exalted him. Is he the one that's directing the ship or is he not? And so many times we're directing And this issue is really about us allowing him to move us in the behavior and the way that we should go. And that's what Paul was doing in 1 Corinthians. Paul was bringing correction to the church in Corinth. It was a growing church. It was about four years old. It was in a city that was very corrupt. It was sexually corrupt. It was corrupt in many, many other ways. And Paul, because corruption was coming into the church Paul was bringing correction to the church. And in reviewing kind of where we've been, chapters 1 and 2, Paul brought correction to the church in the area of congregational uh, disunity. And then in chapters 3 and 4, he brings correction to spiritual immaturity And now in chapters five and six, this week we're reading chapter six. Last week we read chapter five. I'm going to go over five and six today, even though six is in our reading, because you really got to look at five and six, because now Paul begins to correct sexual immorality in the church and a few other sins. And I get to be with the one talking about sex today. I'm glad the kids have left. (laughs) Don't get too uncomfortable there, right? So my question today is, are you willing to accept God's standards when it comes to sex? Quiet. If you are in error in your thinking, are you willing to allow the word of God to correct you today? Is he God? Is his way higher than ours? Yes. Are you willing to come up higher in your thinking? Yes. I'm going to touch on some things today in our culture. Ooh, doggy! I'm going to get some hate mail this week. <laughs> there are some taboos and some things out there that are going on in our culture and in the church. And in the church. Because our role as God's people is to change and influence culture. It is not the responsibility of culture to change us. Can I have a witness? So today what we're going to do is we're going to get into some really hot scriptures when it comes to sexual immorality and some other things and... I'm going to dive in. You guys ready to dive in with me? So let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you have a Bible or an electronic Bible. And if you don't have one of those, we will see it on the wall. And we are going to take a look at what Paul was trying to bring correction, because we are correctable people. Can I have an amen on that? Now, I want to remind us this scripture is written written to who? The church, Christian people. This is not to the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as Lord, okay? You should expect sinners who do not know Jesus Christ to sin. And there is sin within the church, and God wants to correct the sin, and he wants to bring us up higher, and he is the one who empowers us to do that. Can I have an amen? amen. Not, you focusing on your sin is not going to be what gets you clean. It's going to be you focusing on what was said today, that your, your devotion and your worship of the Lord, what you behold, transforms you. It ain't because you're hard on yourself. Okay, so let's read the scripture out of 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, and then we're going to go a little further. I just couldn't get it on one page. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. And what he's talking about, well, we'll get us going. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. So we're talking about a son sleeping with his stepmom. Incest. And you are proud. You shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this. For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the resurrection of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened, with malice and with wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler, do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside the church? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Everybody go, wow. That is a lot. Now, I'm not going to be able to unpack Everything my goal today is not to to go towards church discipline and how we but it is to it is to follow Paul's theme and where he is going in this. If you were to read this passage in the King James version instead of it starting with um, it is actually reported that there is sexually immoral among you, the King James says that it is reported commonly among you. And and so if you look at what Paul's talking about is it was a common knowledge within that church of Corinth, the gathering of the people, that there was a man in the congregation and it was well known, it was common to other to the people within the congregation that he was committing incest, that he was being sexually immoral with somebody in that church. And so It was well-known. So imagine a professing Christian who calls himself a lover of Jesus Christ, put it in context, say in our own congregation that there was someone that we knew within the congregation who was committing this act of sexual immorality within the church among us. Would you tolerate incest? Would you overlook it? Well, he uses the word tolerate, which means to allow to exist without interference. To accept it or to endure it. So they were proud of the way they were loving this guy. They thought their tolerance of the sin was grace. It was love. Look how good we're tolerating. But Paul said, no, you should not tolerate it. And so imagine, would we tolerate this behavior at New Covenant if one in this church was involved in incest and we all said, no way. But what we end up doing is we end up doing the same thing within the church, the big C church, I'm I'm even going beyond New Covenant, where we begin to tolerate things, we begin to look at it as, uh, uh, and, and we don't bring correction to our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, this is getting heavy, right? It's because where's the line? As I said earlier, the culture was influencing the church rather than the church influencing the culture. And Paul's correcting this. Now, Paul is talking about this situation of sexual immorality, but then he ups the ante. He doesn't just stay with sexual immorality in this chapter, if you noticed. He actually begins to address many other issues within this church. And I promise you, this is not an exhaustive list. But he also goes on further and he says, as he ups the ante, he says, Don't associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. Are you not to judge those inside the church? Wow. Wait a minute. I thought we, weren't not, we were not supposed to judge each other. Judge not lest ye be judged. Wait a minute, Paul. You just said in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, I don't even judge myself. It looks like he goes from chapter 4 to now we're in chapter 5 and you're going, I don't even judge myself. Now you're saying now we are to judge people inside the church. Is it okay to judge people inside the church? Yeah, yeah, yes. Well, that's not what's being said in our culture. Matter of fact, you watch on Facebook and there's all kinds of stuff. Don't you dare tell me that. Mm -hmm. Is it even possible to have correction in the body of Christ if there's not judgment? And when I say judgment, I'm not saying condemning. I'm talking that we are judging between right and wrong, between what God says is right and what God says is wrong. That's the judgment I'm talking about. I'm not talking about when somebody comes in the church and they're not living for Jesus that you're you're just oh you're condemning them. I mean, people get that all the time from churches, right? But that within the church, within the family of God, can you really have correction without some form of judgment or assessment? It's really impossible, isn't it? But Paul clearly says we are to judge those inside the church. And Paul goes further to say later in this passage that we will actually judge not only in the church, but later we will actually judge the, church, the, uh, the world, and we will also judge angels. Dang, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? That's for a future message. So my question is, do you believe judging sin in the church is okay? Do you believe judging sin in the church is okay? Paul warns us that if we don't correct sin in the church and in people's lives, that it is like yeast that will affect the whole congregation. That actually when we don't correct behavior, that actually what begins to happen is that behavior becomes watered down and it begins to infiltrate just like it does in bread, right? Yeast goes throughout the whole loaf. Now I've seen this in families. I've seen when a mother or father who is stuck in sin and they refuse to repent and they're, I've seen it go down through the kids. Anybody else seen that? And because a mother or uh, somebody else within the family was not willing, and I could go into Old Old Testament examples where fathers did not correct the sin. David David did not correct his his sons. There were other issues where sons were not corrected, and, and it began to affect the whole children of Israel, the whole camp. And so Paul warns us that there's a reason why God wants us to do that. So Paul goes further in his list of behaviors, and he doesn't just do uh, sexual sin, he doesn't just do sexual immorality, but here's the list. And as I said, it's not exhaustive. Paul's list of sins in this chapter that he's addressing, he's bringing correction, and as we go on in the book of Corinthians, we're going to see other things that Paul corrects, He's going to correct some things in marriage. He's going to correct some things in worship. He's going to correct some things in how the spiritual gifts are administered. And we're hopefully going to get to that stuff later. But he's really starting to go after the juggler. After he's already affirmed them, he's already appreciated them, he's already loved them, he's already complimented them, he's so, so thankful for them, he's already told them who they are in Christ, he's already went through all about how they are and that they are Christians, that they're lovers of God, but then he begins to bring correction and he corrects sexual morality, the greedy, the idolater, the slanderer, the drunker, and the swindler. And he begins to identify these sins. So what are these sins? Do you think you know what they are? The world doesn't want us, and a lot of people in the church don't want us to say what they are. Because many participate in them, and I have participated in them. And God has corrected me. So, sexually immoral. Do we tolerate sexual immorality? Do we tolerate the greedy? Do we tolerate idolatry in the church? Do we tolerate slander in the church? Do we tolerate drunkenness in the church? Do we tolerate swindler? And I'm going to go into what these things are today. And you can be mad at God today. You can say, oh, New Covenant, they're so judgmental. Oh, they're so mean. That's not what we are going to love, people. Because I promise you, every one of us, and he even says it in the Scripture: this is who you used to be. Re- flee from this. And where is freedom from all this stuff? We are broken people. Can I have an amen? amen? Every one of us have a different area of brokenness. But we were born into sin, church. We were born into sin, and, the, and, and, and sexual immorality is part of your sin nature. Can I have an amen? I mean, it is thicker than hair on a dog's rear end. But you know what? So is greedy. Greediness is part of your sin nature. Idolatry, slandering, drunkenness, swindler, all these stuff are part of the flesh. We were born into it. And God has rescued us from it. So. We don't want to tolerate this stuff in our life. We don't want to tolerate it in us, and we don't want to tolerate it. We want to call people up higher. Say, we want to call people up higher. We want to call people up in the church higher. It's not who we are. Amen? So what is sexual immorality? This is a broad, general term when Paul uses it. Sexual immorality is a very broad term. It is where we get... Um, It is the Greek word pornea. What does that sound like? It's where we get our word pornography. It is also termed fornication. And it's a very broad term that covers all sexual sin. Sex acts outside of marriage is what it covers. It covers living together, shacking up, sex pleasure before marriage, incest, porn, prostitution, homosexuality, sex acts outside of the covenant of marriage. And this, let me, let me let me ask you, what movie can you watch these days that doesn't make sexual immorality normal and actually glorified? If you invest much of your time in movies and TV shows, you are being indoctrinated into sexual immorality all the time. All the time. I mean, it never quits. It is coming at you full speed ahead. And if you aren't refraining and bringing boundaries on what you take through, in through your eye gate and your ear gate, all you're doing is feeding your flesh rather than your spirit. And there has to be boundaries that you put as a believer in your life on what you're willing to partake in with your eyes. Or you'll never beat it. <laughs> you'll never beat it if you don't. I always say you got to starve that monster. Mmm. Because people say sex acts outside of marriage. is normal. You can't control that, dude. It's just the way it is. I don't know how many guys I've dealt with on the issue of pornography. Dude, it's just guy thing, man. It just, it just is. Well, if you accept that narrative, you are going to be constantly bound if you accept the narrative that it's just normal. If you accept the the, the narrative that same-sex attraction is just normal for me and I'm born that. Yes, you're born into sin. I get it. We all have broken places. And it is real. It is real. We need redemption. I needed delivered from porn. Dude, I did. All of us need delivered from something. Something. It's why we have a Savior, and his name is Jesus. Can I have an amen? amen. But if I accept the narrative that it's just the way it has to be, Sarah, Sarah. will you ever get free? What you do is you tolerate it, just like the Corinth church did. They tolerate it because they didn't believe they could be free from it. In this passage, Paul says, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And then he goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I am going to get into more of what these are, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, while we're on sexual immorality, he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Father God, thank you for that. I've heard people say, I can do anything with my body that I want. Yep, you sure can. And what will be the consequence? You can say, I don't have to honor God with my body. I do not have to yield in this way. You are right. You are a free will agent, and you can reject the standards of the Lord. You can get angry with him because he has standards, and you cannot come under his submission. You cannot yield to his his ways. You have every right to do that. But what will be the consequence? Because all of us have brokenness and every one of us have sin issues in our life and we can't give into them and we cannot tolerate them. We got to begin to work on them and get freedom from our God because our pride tells us that our way is better. Our pride tells us that we can do it our way rather than God's way. But I promise you guys, correction and freedom is a process. It took me A lot more time than I want to admit to get free from porn. It has taken me a whole lot longer time to get free of gluttony than I want to admit. But Jesus is my deliverer and my freer. And we can't give up on each other. As we are in this fight, because one of the things that I want to bring clarity as I go into these sins, the Bible is makes it very clear that if you're struggling with some of this stuff, you're struggling with same sex, you're struggling with adultery, you're struggling with pornography, you're struggling with greed, you're struggling with this stuff, the struggle in the fight is not what God has a problem with. It's living like this that he has a problem with. It's that you're, you're 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 in the battle and you have people in your life that are helping you move the ball down the field. And yes, there's times where I get sacked behind the line of scrimmage. And I get up and I say that ain't who I am. I'm pressing into the high call of Christ. Because when a righteous man falls, he what? He gets back up. And he presses in to the high calling of Christ Jesus. And he brings every thought into captivity and to the obedience of Christ. And that, my friends, is a process. It's a process, like I said at the very beginning. Correction is a process that we go through. Of yielding. He does the delivering, we do the yielding. So what are some of these other sins? If correction is a process, and he's conforming us to his, his ways and his image, what is, oh, I didn't have it up here. I'll just have to tell you it. Yeah, sorry about that. So what is greedy? We got sexually immoral. I went over that word, pornea. Basically, sex acts outside of marriage will be the great overtone, fornication. That's the big overtone on that. What is greedy if you have someone or if you and you you or someone in your life who is a believer And they're showing greed for wealth and material gain and the word greed is selfish desire Having or showing a strong desire for material possessions or hoarding of riches for yourself Do you think that there's any of that going on in the body of christ? I'm going to let you determine whether you have it in your life or you see someone else. I'm not going to I'm not going to pick on you today. What's an idolater? Well, this is one in America that I think I think we um, probably have more in our life than we think. And I think it masks or raids itself in priorities. But it is in term the worship of a false god—that's what idolatry is, right? And so, in, in in the overall sense of what that word means, it's it's really when you put anything before God. So your God can be your stomach. Your your God can be your job. Your your, your God can be your sleep. I don't know what gets in the way of God for you. I don't know what you'll miss a church service for. I don't know what you'll miss time in the Word and prayer for. If you're like me and you get up in the morning and you get ready to get in the Word and you get ready to go to prayer and all of a sudden the th- thoughts in your mind are starting racing about all the things you got to do, and if you, if, if, you, if you listen to that voice, what will you do? You'll hop up quickly from prayer and time with God and what you, you'll do. And, and so your agenda, your schedule can actually be what's mastering you. Or it could be a false god. But somebody that lives that way, we're actually supposed to correct. Someone who's given themselves to not making God a priority, but they call Jesus Christ as Lord, we're actually supposed to gently and lovingly correct them. What's a slanderer? A slanderer is one who attacks the reputation of another by words. Those who sin with their tongues. Gene Simmons. To damage another's reputation. To talk bad about somebody behind their back. To bring someone down so that you can get people in agreement with you. Gossip. Critical. I have participated with that sin. Will anybody else admit they have participated with that sin? not a lifestyle but it's wanted to be it's wanted to come and get a hold of me, anybody else? and we're to correct that if you see me doing that and attacking someone's character and slandering them and lying or saying deceptive things you better say hey Eric you don't realize what you just said please brother I know you don't mean it. I love you. Slander. That's what slander is drunkenness. Drunkard. Person who habitually gets drunk. I think we all know what that is. Oh, I'm just a little tipsy. I'm not drunk. I'm just feeling good. <laughs> ah, that's like somebody coming to me. Should I tithe off my net or my gross? I am not worried about you tiding on your net your gross. You just work that out with God. How close can I get to the edge? I'm not drunk. I'm just right on the edge. You know, know what I mean? I love you guys. I don't know that we have a bunch of problems in this church with that. I have no clue. I hope not. But if we are, we need to correct it, right? We need to encourage each other to come up higher. Are we coming up higher with our thinking, guys? What's a swindler? Oh, boy, this is a big one. What is a swindler? The word here means grasping and thieving. We would call it a thief, but in, in the church, it's a little more deceptive. It's using deceptive to deprive someone of money or possessions or something that you want. It's using charm to manipulate to get money A job, possessions, it's using deception to manipulate to get what you want. We could even go to taxes. How many people use deception to not pay their taxes? Thieving, swindler. Well, we'll let you determine where you stand at in all. But what Paul is saying is when that kind of lifestyle is within the body of Christ, we all, not Pastor Eric, we all are to bring correction. So you may know somebody in the body of Christ that's struggling and they're sleeping around. And you're going to go, hey, I love you. You're better than that. I want to call you up. I want to, I want to challenge you with the word of God. Can you imagine if the whole body did that kind of correction? Usually, what happens is hey, Eric, this is going on. Sick him. Sick him, boy. <laughs> Go correct him. If you see your brother in sin, you who are spiritual, restore them, but restore them gently. That's why I always tell my wife you can correct me, babe, but just be gentle. I'm sensitive. (laughs) Now, we don't want to become. And one of the things I love about New Covenant is this is a welcoming place. Man, you can come in here and you can have sin and struggles in your life. And you know what? We're going to help you to get more like Jesus. And we're not going to condemn you. We're not going to look down on you. Is that not one of the things that's a blessing about this house? Because we don't want the opposite that uh, many others are experiencing. But it's like once you come in the house, it's like God begins to want to change the way you think. He begins to want to bring correction to you. And we all have to be teachable and correctable, right? And that's what we're doing. We're a hospital where God's bringing sick people in and he's taking our break, brokenness. That's why we have an emotional healing department. It's why we have the things that we have here. It's why we have a marriage ministry. It's why we have all the different things that we have here is to help people begin to refine their lives and to become more like Jesus. And that's the journey we're on. And so here it gets even a little tougher in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And it gets even crazier as he's went through all these sins. And then he says, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkard, nor the slanderer, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what you were. But you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Amen. Is anybody glad they've been washed? Are you glad you've been set free? Now, the process of that freedom of working out our salvation with fear and trembling is now the process as we submit ourselves to the Lord and yield those areas of our life that used to look like that and sometimes still do. And we have to yield that stuff to the Lord, and we have to fight the good fight of faith, don't we? Now, I love what he does here. He again, reminds them of their identity. He reminds them of who they are. You are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. You have been delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. Say, that's who I am. But one thing I do want us to realize that we need to be in unity on is that morality is not a secondary issue. It is a primary issue that Paul ties our morality to inheriting the kingdom of heaven. Does that sound like a primary issue? So we have to be in unity in this house where we are all correcting and helping each other come up higher and that we have an understanding and there's a unity that what God calls as sin is. And we don't soft, we don't tolerate it, but we call people of. I don't know how many times I've met with somebody privately. I know who you are. You are not that. You are a lover of the most high God. You are a woman of God. You are a man of God after his own heart. And you're in a ditch and I'm going to help you get out of that ditch. That's not who you are. Will you allow me to help you? Will you submit to the Lord? Will you allow the correction of God to come and bring you up higher? Because the grace of God, what Jesus is his grace? His grace is his unmerited favor, but it goes beyond that. It is his supernatural ability to free you in that area. Grace, empowerment. How many want the empowerment of God? Dear Jesus, yes as I remember the guilt, I remember the shame, as I would sin and fall short, and there's areas in my life as he's purifying me. You know what it's like. You know how bad you feel about yourself. That is a good sign that the Holy Ghost lives in you. If you feel convicted of things in your life, that is a good sign you're born again. But if you're not convicted of these things that we're talking about, and you're not in a battle, and you're not resisting, I think you need to get born again. I think you need to recommit your ways to God. Because there, need, there has to be, the, the work of the Spirit of God in you will draw you to repentance. The Spirit of God comes to what? Convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Are you guys with me? So, This area of sin that he talks about is not just a moral issue, but it talks about how it is tied to our entering of the kingdom of of heaven. So I want to, again, bring the clarification so you do not misread. I'm going to repeat this twice. Clarity. I am not talking about sin that you're struggling with. If you're struggling with same-sex attraction, I'm not talking that you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. If you're struggling with thieving and stealing, or not, but, and, you're, and you're struggling with it, but you're in the fight, you're not giving yourself to it, you're not tolerating it, you're not saying, oh, it's just the way I am. Yes, your sin nature is the way you used to be. But according to the Bible, you are a new creation created in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become what? New. I am a new creation in Christ. And I have to call you and me to that higher place and say, that's who you are. That is not who you are. And you got to get people around you who hold you accountable that help you on the journey to your freedom. So I'm not talking about a struggle. This is talking about a lifestyle. Are you with me? Does Everybody understand that it's a habit. It's a pattern. It's continual I hate getting vulnerable. But I'm going to you. I remember when I was struggling with porn I wasn't doing it all the time I wasn't looking at it all the time. I would fall I would I would get tempted and I get drawn back to that old sin But I was not a pornographer I was in a fight for my morality. I was in my fight for submitting myself to God. I was in my fight to get rid of my pride. I was in a fight to make Jesus Lord of Eric Taylor. And my flesh wanted to win. My sin nature wanted to win. My sin nature wanted to take control, and I had to say no. And I had to get help. Are you correctable? So we're not talking. We're we're all gonna have struggles. But that doesn't define you. Can I have an amen? So it's this power of correction that we're talking about today this week. So may I take you to the original question I started out with this, this morning. Are you correctable in your thinking? Are you correctable when it comes to your sexual morality? Are you correctable when it comes to greed, slander, idolatry? Are you in a process of change and correction? Are you willing to allow God to bring you up to higher standards? I say, yes, we are. I say we're a people who want God's ways at this house. We're a people who have decided to follow Jesus. We're a people who have decided to not just have him as our Savior and fire escape, but we're a people who have decided to make him the Lord of our Your way, not my own. I believe that's who we are. And God is the sin fixer, He is the renewal processor, He is the perfecter of the saints. He gave us His Son. And we celebrated communion as we remembered what he has done for us today. We have been set free by the blood of Jesus. Can I have an amen? God turns sinners into saints. He takes you from prison and he puts you in a palace. He takes you from Barely hanging on to thriving and growing and helping and delivering and helping other people come to know him. God always has bigger plans for you than you have for yourself. (laughs) I loved what Tony Costa shared with us last week. And I'm just amazed at what God has done in that man over the last 15 years. He was stuck in a prison. He was addicted to drugs. He was into sexual immorality, and God saved him. And God has been refining that man. And he came and preached a sermon to us last week that was great, wasn't it? And now he's preaching to thousands in a Muslim nation called Pakistan. And thousands are coming to know Jesus because Jesus is the one who cleans my mess up. (laughs) Is anybody different out there than what you used to be? Is anybody glad that he saved your soul? Is anybody glad that you ain't the same as you used to be? I've been blood bought, purchased with a high price. And we're talking about worshiping the king of glory and yielding to him and surrendering and allowing God to confront the areas of our life that maybe don't line up with him. And we're allowing Him to correct us and move us into greater levels of freedom. So, my question today is How is God wanting you to yield to Him today with your own life? What area of brokenness is He wanting you to yield to Him into this process of correction? I know you guys know I've been in the process of correction with my weight. <laughs> I have submitted to help and getting help from somebody else. I've been in five months. The last month has probably been more of a struggle than the fir- previous four months, as life has gotten really busy, and I've kind of gotten off the wagon a few times. But I'm down six, almost 60 pounds. And my, and my cholesterol has, has dropped 40 points. And God is working in getting correction to me in that area of my life and thank God for a good woman but what area is he wanting you to submit to him today what area are you going to like me struggle with and not yield but finally yield I don't know All I know is God is moving. And he is dealing with this church and the people in this house, just like he did the Corinthian church. And he is dealing with the same issues that he dealt with the church in Corinth right in here in Newcastle, Indiana. And he's raising up a people who will be radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God who what? Love deeply, serve sacrificially, speak truthfully, live Holy and go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit Calling to all people to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior Stand up with me If you're here today And you have not surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ It is good news for you today Because the Spirit of God is dealing with you right now I know and if you're here today, I see mostly people I know. Maybe the Spirit of God is dealing with you right now, and you have not surrendered. If you would, just bow your head, everybody. Just close your eyes, and just let's just bow. And Why don't you pray for the people around you? Or maybe pray f- for yourself if you're struggling in a certain area. But If you're here today, we've had like 20-some people come to know the Lord in the last three or four months people have been getting baptized and God's changing lives if you're here today And you have not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you know it is time. You know the presence of God is here and you're being convicted. Matter of fact, you're probably sweating right now and your heart's probably thumping out of your chest. If that's you, just raise your hand up loud, proud and proud. Bring your hand up high. Just tell me, show me. Show me if you're here, if you don't know Christ. Because I want to lead you to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If you're here today, raise your hand with me. If you're here, just raise your hand if you don't know the Lord. Because he is worth living for. Just raise it up so I can see it. Just wave at me. If you do not know Christ, I'll give you the opportunity to receive Christ. Okay? Well, evidently, everyone here today is born again, and I thank God for that. Now, how about us? What area are you going to surrender to the Spirit of God today right now? Because the power of God is here. The power of God is here to break into your darkness, your brokenness, your struggle that you're struggling with. God is here to help you. If I could have the altar team come up, please. Have the altar team come up up here. Jeff and Michelle and Monty and Alger, if you guys would, please come up. What area? If there's something you want to bring to the altar, you don't even have to go to the altar team. There's something you want to bring to the Lord. We're going to allow you just to kneel before the Lord. But if you want help today, if there's areas in your life today that you're struggling with, we have a marriage team. We have an emotional healing team. We have a prophetic team who will speak direction over you. We have people who will help you. We have a pastoral team that will help you. If you need help and you don't know who to turn to, write on one of our guest cards and say, I need help, please call me. And somebody from the pastoral team will call you. But it's time to get help and to get freedom when it came to porn and when it came to my weight I had to get help outside myself I could not help myself and if you're in some area I just want us to pray this prayer and so if you would pray with me father in the name of Jesus you know my brokenness and you know how it eats me alive and I'm sick of it I'm tired of the struggle I'm I'm tired of the shame. I'm tired of the guilt that comes up in me. How it makes me want to retreat. It makes me want to hide. It makes me want to get away from the body of Christ. God, I don't want to do that. I want help from the body of Christ. I want help from you, God. I ask for your grace. I ask for your supernatural power to break into my life to free me, to deliver me, to break the bondage that keeps me held to sin. And I thank you, God, as I surrender to you that you're going to help me this week. You're going to give me freedom as I submit to your process of correction in my life. I want to make you Lord. I want to make you Lord of every part of my life. And so today, God, I surrender. I put up the white flag in this part of my life. And I give it to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. If you need help and you want prayer, please come forward. Here's your homework for the week. Take a quick picture of it. It's not very long. There's only three things you've got to do. Get help if you're struggling with sin and behavior that is contrary to God's word. The question is, who will you get to help you? Call for help. And we're reading 1 Corinthians 6 and doing a here journal. And we're memorizing James 1, 7. So take a picture of that with your phone and submit yourself to that and get some help this week. Amen. Ask for help. Say, ask. I will ask for help. Say, I will ask for help. Amen. I'm going to dismiss us. And if you want prayer, please come down to the altar team. They'll pray with you. And if there's anything I can pray with you as well, I'll pray as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that you are bringing correction to our hearts. And I thank you, God, as we submit to you, you are faithful to redeem us. And, Lord, it is you that brings the power to break the yoke. Father, we submit to you through worship and your word. And we just ask, God, that you would bless your people as they go today in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We love you. We have